As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for joining me. We are recording this on the morning of Friday, August 5th. The Bills will be going through their first practice in Buffalo um, this evening. They're doing a, a stadium practice where there's supposed to be a lot of fans in attendance. Um, it, it is the fifth last day of training camp. Got that practice and four more after that one over at St. John Fisher University. And then camp is done already, flying right by. And we're still like over a month away from the season. But we are we are legitimately into training camp now to where uh, we start to get an idea of, you know, who's kind of doing themselves some favors before preseason comes around and who maybe needs to prove a little bit more. So that's basically what I wanted to do for for today's show. Um, our buddy Matthew Fairburn, he's still in the process of moving back to Buffalo right now, so uh, so we'll get him back on uh, within the month, I would assume, and uh, get him and some of his thoughts about what's going on with the Bills as, as we're going along. So this one, I wanted to just kind of take it as a look at seven guys who are trending in the right direction and seven guys that need to show more. And I'm sure we'll filter in some other thoughts about a lot of these other guys and, um, and, and, and things like that. But, you know, let's, let's start with the overall up and up right now at training camp, because, you know, a lot of times when you get to camp, you're like, okay, a lot of quite different questions getting answered. Uh, a lot of, uh, potential battles for roster spots, starting positions, everything like that. And there have been some legitimate standouts uh, so far through camp to the point where you, you start to think, okay, how can this transition into the regular season? How does it help influence the 53-man roster and everything along those lines? So I'll start on the offensive side of things because there's one guy that has just been a constant throughout camp it's not really a uh, 
a beat writer going overboard sort of thing. And it it's important because not only does he play a position that can help the passing offense get going, but, you know, to a lesser degree, um, it's also a very fantasy football friendly position, which I'm sure a lot of more, a lot more people kind of perk their ears up whenever they hear it. But the guy that has, to me, has had the strongest camp so far on the offensive side of the ball, besides the the usual suspects of Josh Allen, Mitch Morse, and Stefan Diggs, has been Isaiah McKenzie. And you've probably read a lot about him if you've been reading my stuff over at The Athletic, by the way. Thank you for uh, reading and subscribing. But this guy who has been around since Josh Allen's rookie year has is playing the best football of his life right now, or at least the most confident football of his life right now. He sees an opportunity to be that that starting slot receiver with with the Bills. You know, they brought in Jamison Crowder on a one-year deal. They brought back Isaiah McKenzie on a two-year deal. Both contracts, really not that much to write home about in terms of wide receiver deals. But McKenzie saw the potential to win the job, knows the offense, knows the personnel, knows he's got chemistry with Josh Allen, and he also knows that that uh, that game in New England is something to build off in the minds of the coaching staff. So rather than starting completely over on a team that might not be as good as the Bills are in 2022, thought to himself, well, maybe it's a short-term loss in money for a long-term gain for a, a potentially lucrative contract if if all things go well. And to this point, the guy has been on fire. And it's not just the the man-to-man coverage stuff where we know he's good. Like that New England game, he showed through because New England kept being in man coverage, allowed him to do the crosser over the middle, and he just he just went crazy with it with yards after catch and made a lot of uh, excellent receptions, hands receptions along the way. He uh, that that was kind of his his breakout game. But what's been impressive to me is McKenzie has been able to do it against both types of coverages. One of the the big questions I had with McKenzie is, okay, are you bringing in Jamison Crowder to kind of go like a 50-50 split because Crowder's so good against zone coverage and finding the the soft spots and then McKenzie against man, but how do you accurately predict what a what a defense is going to do unless they completely show their hand early in the game and, and they're they're just stuck in it like like the Patriots did uh, in that game that McKenzie went off. But McKenzie working and finding the soft spots against zone coverage has been a really, really uh, interesting development for me. We know we know he's got the speed. His route running has gotten better since. Um, since they first got him, but like more nuance, knows how to set guys up. Like he, he dead legs cornerbacks. Uh, he'll go up against someone like Cam Lewis, and as soon as he lines up, you're like, well, this is this is a win for McKenzie, and it's like clockwork. It sets him up, turns sometimes turns the the defender around, and then gets open, gets ample separation. This is a very important facet for what the Bills want to do this year. Because while you could go to a guy like Jamison Crowder where you, you sit there and go, okay, he's going to be good against the zone. So if they um, if they do the the two 
safety, deep look, then you've got Crowder who can find his way open. But they also need the yards after catch element, which they're not really getting a ton of with Crowder. I know everyone kind of remembers the uh, the long Jamison Crowder touchdown that he had against the Bills not too long ago, but that was the anomaly for him. McKenzie is the true yards after catch guy, and and that this has been a talking point throughout um, throughout the spring and summer how they want to improve in this area because you know th- that's where they were kind of lacking last year, and that starts with Josh Allen's pinpoint accuracy on these intermediate throws. It, it starts with vision and and being and having the athleticism to get down the field. They didn't have that with Cole Beasley. Um, they have it a lot more, and they certainly didn't have it with Emmanuel Sanders. They have it a lot more with Gabriel Davis now as a projected starter in the lineup and potentially Isaiah McKenzie if he continues along his path and, and wins this job outright. So he has been excellent just getting open nonstop, making himself available. He's been a favorite target of of Josh Allen throughout training camp so far. And what I find incredibly interesting is that when Crowder came back from his muscle soreness, missing uh, a handful of days, it was still Isaiah McKenzie um, predominantly working with the Josh Allen group. And Jamison Crowder was mostly working with the, the Case Keenum group. So that, that to me in itself is an important sign that the Bills are very happy with Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie. So not going to go out here and say like, oh, he's going to, you know, have like a a top 36 fantasy season or anything like that. But he's going it, to, it, it is trending in the direction of him being the primary slot receiver uh, for the Bills in 2022. And whatever you think that might be, what it could become, he's got better yards after catch uh, than Cole Beasley ever did. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. But it, McKenzie has done everything right so far throughout training camp. All right, let's stick on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I'll, I'll just stay at receiver. Another player that's trending up to me, and you're going to like this if if you like the, uh, the whole draft pick thing, Khalil Shakir, to me, has really raised the level of his game from what we saw in the spring and has turned himself into someone that they are excited about. Josh Allen even said it after practice on Thursday. He's like, I'm excited about Khalil Shakir. And for good reason. I mean, very smooth route runner, great hands. Mostly he had one day where where drops were an issue, but every other day, just he's been strong on the ball. Um, very deceptive in and out of his breaks. Just, just a smooth, smooth route runner. And he can win contested catches too. I don't think he's a slot only player. I believe, let me go back to my notes here. I believe Josh Allen in that same press conference said that they've been putting more on his plate, working him at both Z, the Z and F positions on the offense. So, you know, the Bills are at least putting things on Shakir's plate where they, they could play him outside. I think that would benefit them specifically in 2022 because it helps their depth on the outside. Because, you know, McKenzie could do it, but if he could be, if he's going to be the primary slot guy, Jamison Crowder probably could do it, but he's mostly a slot only guy. So Shakir might wind up being the first guy in on the, on the outside. 
if they if they play it that way, or maybe they they shift McKenzie outside if something happens to Diggs or Davis. Be it as it may, Shakir is putting himself in a great position right now, and it to me it feels like it might not be like a an early season sort of deal, but I think I went from thinking he'll be game day inactive um, to thinking he might have some kind of role, not like a crazy role early on in his in his career, but you know just enough to get his feet wet. Maybe he can discern himself uh, on on special teams uh, throughout preseason or something along those lines. But to me, he has been a very impressive player. I'm writing him down in my notebook constantly. And it's not just because you're generally um, uh, there, there is some, some part of like, Oh, new player, shiny new object. Um, you know, I'm going to pay more attention to this guy. No, it's, it's genuinely been a, uh, been, he's continuing to stand out and winning on his routes and making himself available. So I, I think Shakir has been, has done a really nice job in his rookie year. Don't know what it means for his output this season, but he has definitely, um, helped them think that their wide receiver depth is okay. And that, that was a big thing for him. Staying with the offensive side of the ball, another player trending up the third one on the list. First, it was McKenzie and Shakir. I'm going with Zach Moss. And this is not the name that I expected to say uh, when we were first started coming into camp. You know, there we we kind of knew that the Bills still had belief in Zach Moss heading into his third season. A lot more belief than, you know, I referenced the fantasy football community. But, you know, everyone has written Zach Moss off um, in this backfield. It has mostly been thinking it's going to be Singletary and the rookie James Cook. But Moss has been hanging around consistently working with the Josh Allen group at, at practice. And that's a, that's a big thing. Like if they had hit, had this thought in their brain that it's going to be Singletary and Cook, they wouldn't waste their time on this. There's, there's not a ton of examples where the Bills will waste reps on guys that aren't going to or potentially not going to play a role for them. So seeing Moss do what he's done so far and being really strong on short yardage opportunities on Thursday, just uh, showing better at um, at uh, catching passes out of the backfield so far throughout camp, not to say that that's going to be his primary role or anything like that, but I think this he has the absolute opportunity to get himself back in good graces uh, with just about everybody. Uh, and I think the team could even give him that opportunity. Now, preseason is going, going to be huge for him. We have to see what he's able to do in a game setting. But I brought it up with Matt Perino on the, on the last episode. This is a player that is not that far removed from being a third round draft pick of the bills. One that they, you know, I'm not going to say they believed it, but those that watched the the games down the stretch in 2020 and into the playoffs, Zach Moss was, was the better running back in those games. Um, and then suffered the stuff, suffered the injury, had to get surgery, uh, heading into his second season, never really looked like he, he got back to himself. Um, got benched by the time November came around last year. 
But then when he started working back in and was a little bit removed from from the rehab and the in and the injury and everything and the surgery and everything like that, started to take it more advantage of his opportunities. So I definitely think there is a world where this is a three-person backfield. I'm not going to say it's set in stone because Zach Moss still needs to prove some things in an actual game setting. It's it's kind of tougher uh, to figure out what a running back is in the confines of training camp just because they're not breaking tackles every single rep. But Moss, to me, has has definitely set himself up that they should be happy with or that they are happy with what what they've seen from him so far, and he's going to get some opportunities here. So is it a Moss-Singletary-Cook backfield? Very well could be. Moss maybe being the short yardage guy, um, Cook being the pass catcher, and Devin Singletary being the uh, first and second down guy in in normal situations. Very well could wind up happening that way. Um, So just keep an eye out for that. He is... And also remember that Devin Singletary is a is a free agent at the end of the year. And we don't really know what, what's going to happen with him and what his market is going to look like. The Bills might just wind up moving on. And Zach Moss is under contract next year. Are they really going to spend another first three-round draft pick on a running back? They could, absolutely. But do they have to with Moss and Cook? I think Moss is going to potentially answer that this year. So... It's just keep an eye on number 20 once you get into preseason. He has definitely uh, done some good things so far throughout camp. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's uh, head over to the defensive side of the ball uh, for the seven trending up. And Ed Oliver is the one that just consistently has been outstanding along that defensive line. There have been like individual standouts. Like I I think AJ Epinesa had a really strong start to camp. I don't think tailed off is, is the right way to put it, but... He hasn't um, gotten in the backfield as frequently as he did to start camp. I think he had a, a sack in uh, every day through the first five or six days. Um, had a, had another would-be sack on Thursday. So Epinesa has been strong, but Ed Oliver, to me, has been the one that has just been a home run um, in that uh, from that pass rushing realm. And this is a huge year for him because you know they they fired up his his fifth year option. They have outwardly said that they hope it's going to be a lot longer than that fifth year option in 2023. So all, all is good in, in the bills loving what they're seeing from Ed Oliver. He's working really well with Von Miller, just 
working on stunts with him well uh, when they're on opposite sides of the defensive line it's it's a real big headache for the offensive line to figure out who they want to double up and and how they want to attack uh that defensive line we've seen the defensive line going up against allen win a lot this summer and not just because of the talent at defensive line which is good don't get me wrong but they've gone through some injuries along the offensive line, and, and you know there's there's sort of a, a feeling out process there. But even still, Oliver is winning his one on ones, constant headache. He's he's been outstanding so far. Good good in, in run defending and and getting in front of the the uh, the back before they make their cut through the hole. Like this guy looks like he is ready to erupt this year, and I'm not sure what that looks like statistically, but. This has been the most consistent we've seen at Oliver to this point in his career. It's his fourth season, so it's it's time to be that guy. And I think for them, they have they are on to something with him and setting him up for success with Von Miller uh, along the along the defensive line. Could definitely see a, a breakout statistical year for Ed Oliver with with what we've seen so far. And as long as he stays healthy, I mean, he has every golf club in the bag for what he can be um, in, in the NFL. Good run defender, good balance, excellent hands to, to get through uh, block attempts, great explosiveness off the line of scrimmage. Like, just, just watch some of, the, some of the film on him when he's going up against uh, or have to, having to go up against double teams and, and they're defending the run. Like This guy is basically, basically turns himself into a tree trunk where he, he holds the line and and he's able to set up his defender set up his teammates that to me is one of the most underrated facets to his game because the guy's only 290 he is an excellent player and one that should continue to get better from a statistical sense in 2022 also on the defensive side another rookie uh christian benford the cornerback the sixth round player out of villanova is someone that has uh, really worked his way up into legitimate consideration. I'd say with what the uh, with what the Bills are looking at, the idea of Benford was always a good one. Small school guy um, has has some good measure, good measurables, good uh, testing, long arms um, that that the Bills like. Good size. He is is someone that you know. Checks a lot of boxes, but they weren't sure what he was going to be. Brandon Bean even said it when when they drafted him. You know, not sure if he's going to be a cornerback or a safety ultimately, but they're gonna they're gonna start him at cornerback, and it's a good thing that they did because he has shown some real ability so far. And what has caught my eye most about him has been how well he has competed against the likes of like Stephon Diggs. There's a few plays that where he is very poised continues to go through the route with digs even even uh going through some double moves um and even made a play on the ball in the back of the end zone on on uh in one practice like that that's not um that's not a, a usual thing that you see from from younger players just looks very calm out there like it's like it's not too big for him 
He's he's doing well against Gabriel Davis. Now, Stefan Diggs is getting the better of him sometimes, especially at the tail end of the route where, you know, the, the ball gets delivered. And that's where Benford needs to improve to this point. But they have seen a lot of things that they've liked from Christian Benford so far. And it's gotten to the point where he is um, going into the rotation, uh, working against Diggs, Davis, and McKenzie. And, you know, it's it's become a bit more of a a revolving door with with Dane Jackson and Kyrie Lim and, and Christian Benford working against Allen. So this is this is a guy to keep an eye on in the preseason because if he plays well and, and Tredavious White isn't ready, would they consider starting Christian Benford? Still early days, by all means, very early into his career, and we need to see him actually get tested by another team. But anytime you see a sixth-round rookie taking legitimate reps early, like into the into the late stages of of training camp, you have to take uh, you have to take legitimate stock into what is happening there. So, Christian Benford. Working in against Josh Allen, and we'll see what he can do in preseason. But off to a great start, and it looks like they could have something there. Uh, at the at the very worst, he has turned himself into a lock for the fifty three man roster. There's there's no doubt he was on the bubble heading into camp uh, for a lot of people, but he is on the team and could definitely help their their cornerback depth in, in general. The sixth of our seven trending up, Jaquan Johnson, the safety, who has gotten a lot of reps because Micah Hyde suffered an injury, short-term injury, as it turns out. Jordan Poyer suffered a uh, an elbow injury. He'll be out for, you know, some days, one uh, one or two weeks, according to Sean McDermott, even though they wouldn't commit to him, you know, starting the, the regular season. But, you know, it does seem like things are going well enough for for Poyer at this point. But Jaquan Johnson has been trending up because he has kind of pushed aside the notion that DeMar Hamlin would be able to compete for the the top reserve safety role. And not only is Jaquan Johnson in that top reserve safety role, it seems right now, he has done it in both the hide free safety role and in the Poyer strong safety role when, when each guy has missed some time, which is important to his versatility and what he can do. He's probably best fit for that that playmaking instinctive free safety role that uh, that Micah Hyde takes up and Hamlin more of the the strong safety type I would say based on what I've seen from them in limited reps in in games so far but Johnson has has really kind of turned a corner here to where they trust him uh, in that role and it's a compelling situation because Johnson is entering his contract year the same as Jordan Poyer and could they bring back Johnson with an idea that he could be a long-term starter, get him on a, on a team-friendly deal um, this offseason? That's something to keep an eye on if he, if he plays well in preseason because we're not going to see Poyer. I kind of doubt we see Micah Hyde in, in that first game. Um, maybe maybe a little bit, but I it's doubtful um, because that's about eight days away from now, and he's still not all the way back in the team drills just yet. So number four, Jaquan Johnson, he uh, he is he has definitely done a lot of good for himself, and uh, eager to see what he does with extended reps in the preseason. And you know, if anybody suffers an injury in, in season, um, 
that that would be his job, it seems right now. But the big thing is he has placed himself ahead of DeMar Hamlin from from what I've seen so far. And that was a big thing for him in his fourth season. And finally, in the seven trending up is Matt Areza. Uh, I couldn't go this far or I couldn't do this entire thing without talking about the Matt versus Matt Puntapalooza. You guys would throw eggs at me, I think, at that point. Um, but, you know, all things considered, the Matt versus Matt Puntapalooza has been somewhat predictable, but we have seen incremental progress from Areza, which is exactly what they wanted to see from him. In the spring, in the reps that uh, we saw in open practices, the, uh, the, the book on both these guys was Areza, much bigger leg, uh, has a, you know, usually averages more yards per punt than Matt Hawk. But in terms of hang time, Matt Hawk would have a, a pretty big advantage as hang times go. But what we've seen over the last couple of days that they have punted has been Areza not only winning the yardage battle, but a few practices ago won the hang time battle. That was on like a, a lower number of punts day. But in their heaviest day yet, Areza was only 0.07 seconds behind Matt Hawk's day in the same situations. Um in hang time. So the fact that he is close and that was with eight punts apiece that day. That was their, like I said, their heaviest workload to that point of camp. So if Areza continues to do that and shows that the hang time part of it is going, he's been solid on the ball when he's been holding for, for Tyler Bass uh, on the field goal attempts. I think Areza would have to do a lot to lose this job, and we've always kind of said that, but he has done a lot right to this point, and I'm sure they want to see how he does in, in game settings, but I would say that at this point, it it feels like Areza's job as long as he continues it. I would say it's probably a, uh, an 85-15 situation where I, I expect... Areza to to win this job based on what we've seen so far and how he's improved himself. Again, let's see what he does in preseason, holding on field goals, and if he can continue that hang time and, and how Matt Hawk does in general. But you can't ignore the fact that Areza will be on a on a four-year deal, rookie wage scale, everything along those lines. And he is the superior talent to the two guys. So just make it close in hang time, and he's good to go. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's go to the seven that need to show more. So we've we've heard a lot about guys that have been good so far, that have done some really nice things for themselves this season, but or this training camp. But now to the to the players that I think need to show a bit more in preseason and down the stretch here in August. I'll start with the quarterback position. No, it's not Josh Allen. I've been underwhelmed, or at least just whelmed by Case Keenum. 
you know, just for your backup quarterback, you're not expecting a whole heck of a lot. But Keenum, when he has tried to push the ball down the field, it has not gone particularly well. Uh, I think he is going to do his most damage on the underneath areas and trying to um, trying to operate the offense efficiently that way. But there have been some real days that have been clunkers for Case Keenum so far, and you know, try I'm you have to try and remember what Mitchell Trubisky was last year. I think Trubisky was. Um, was better than Case Keenum in terms of what he showed in practice to this point. But it's it's hard, really hard to quantify that. It's just kind of like a remembering what each guy was sort of deal. Uh, I do think the Bills will struggle to move the ball deep down the field if Keenum ever has to see the field. And that could be an issue for them. It could make them more predictable. But, you know, in terms of like keeping things afloat and you know, at least putting together some intermediate passes to put some drives together that I think that's where he's going to make his hay. But to this point, Keenum has just been okay. Like not, not crazy good, not crazy bad, just okay. And I want to see more from him in the preseason. Maybe see if that, uh, that deep intermediate area is more of a possibility, uh, in the preseason games to where, you know, the bills maybe not feel good about him, but like start to feel like, okay, well you're going to lose a, a lot without Josh Allen. If, if he needs to miss any time, but you know, maybe Keenum can show a little bit more pushing the ball down the field. It, the, the zip on the ball is, is part of the issue, I think. Um, and so I want to see more from him in, in preseason sticking on offense. I'm going to go with, Spencer Brown, the uh, the presumed right tackle, starting right tackle for the Bills. And I say presumed because you know we haven't seen him take a single rep in team drills to this point. Not one. Not in the spring. He was out completely all nine days of training camp so far. Spencer Brown has done positional drills, has yet to take a single snap of of team drills, which is bordering on important at this point. Still a month away from the season, so there is time. But we've heard Sean McDermott harp a lot about availability and that being a key piece to the puzzle here. Spencer Brown, it's not as though he was incredible down the stretch last year he struggled significantly after his first four games his first four games were awesome don't get me wrong he was great a lot of fun to watch as a as a blocker seemed like he was in control as a pass blocker but after those first four games it really dipped for Spencer Brown by the end of his rookie year it seemed like he hit a wall he also had COVID at some point just was not the same player from his first four games. And we haven't really seen Spencer Brown since then. You know, the bills went out and they signed David Questenberry who has 23 starts to his name in his career experienced guy. He can 
definitely start at right tackle if they need him to. And he, and he has started at right tackle in the past for other teams. You begin to wonder, at what point do the Bills start to think that is it is more in their best interest, at least to begin the year, to use David Questenberry as, as the starter? I think we're still a good week or two weeks away from legitimately having that discussion, but it the the thought has gone through my head because Quesenberry has been out there every single day. You know, he's had some misses, but he has mostly been a solid pass blocker for you know when he's not going up against Von Miller. But he's mostly been pretty good uh out on the outside there. So if maybe they want a more consistent hand, I would not rule out the fact of of Quesenberry beginning the year as the starting right tackle. Just because Brown, still a young player, still kind of rough around the edges, had some really bad beats down the stretch last year, hasn't been able to get on the field because of offseason back surgery, uh, hasn't been able to get in team drills. Josh Allen said something along the lines of that's Spencer's spot, and I I concur that it's his, that it's his spot. But at some point, you have to wonder will it just need to be a bit of a slower buildup to him getting back as opposed to him absolutely being locked in for week one? Like it's different for someone like Roger Saffold because you know what you're getting with him. Longtime veteran player, plug and play starter at left guard. You know exactly what he is. You don't know what you're going to get from Spencer Brown in, in that first game. You need to feel comfortable. You need to see reps. So that's that's the big thing. We need to see Spencer Brown in the preseason, see what he's all about. And if we don't see that, then we could wind up seeing David Quesenberry as the starter at right tackle. All right, the third uh, of the players that need to show more, going with uh, sticking with the offensive line, Greg Van Roten, who they signed later into the process. It was post-draft. Uh, veteran player, was most re- recently with the Jets. A swing interior reserve player that can pl- give you reps both at center and guard. I've not been impressed by Van Roten so far. I think um, in the battle of the Gregs between Greg Van Roten and Greg Mans, I think Mans has been the better player. Mans has been out the, the last two practices due to some muscle soreness from what the Bill said. But, you know, Mans to me at least gives you a certain certain level where it's not going to be a complete you know it's it's not going to be a complete loss like van roten has had some really bad reps this year and i wonder what that means for him i wonder if maybe he's the practice squad guy this year but to me that one of those final roster spots comes down to those two Gregs, Van Roten or Mans. And if if it's me, I, I need to see more from Van Roten, even though he has some good experience in, in the NFL. I need to see more from him in preseason games where he's he's not struggling like he has so far in, in Bill's training camp. So um, he, he's just one to keep an eye on. He's number 64. Greg Mans is number 62. Uh, Mans has worked in uh, to the first team and has done – Mostly pretty well with it. Greg Van Roten, when he, uh, I, I think he only got like one day because of all the the injuries with the offensive line. 
when he's gotten in with like in with the Allen group, he's uh, didn't go necessarily well. So just keep an eye on him. I, I know line play is tough to track in preseason, but but he's one that that I need to see more from, and that once you know once the preseason game is done and you go back and watch it, I'll keep a close eye on him. One more on the offensive side of the ball, and a player that needs to show more, in my estimation, if he wants to make the 53-man roster, is tight end Tommy Sweeney. He is a beloved figure in that locker room. Like when Led Zeppelin comes on <laughs> training camp practice, everyone looks to him, and he is air-guitaring his face off during the stretch. But Sweeney... They have they have some better options at tight end from what I've seen so far. Quentin Morris, to me, is someone who has outplayed Tommy Sweeney thus far, and I'm not even sure that there's a spot for Quentin Morris on the 53-man roster. When you look at the tight end group, you, you say, okay, there are two locks. Dawson Knox and O.J. Howard are both in. And Howard hasn't even looked great, but he's a, he's a really good blocker. Um, he, can, he can bring in some passes as a big target. Not really going to give you a ton of yards after the catch, but you know he's he's a solid backup to Dawson Knox. And the other one that I think is a lock is uh, the fullback slash tight end Reggie Gilliam. He is a great blocker. I think he's going to uh, be on this team again this year. But looking at the rest of it, Sweeney, Morris, Jalen Weidermeyer. Weidermeyer, I, I have failed to see much, if anything, from him this camp so far. Uh, he he's someone that might be a practice squad guy, maybe even not. Um, but Sweeney, to me, if if I were to make the 53-man roster right now, he'd be on the outside looking in. And I think there is a very good chance they could get him back to the practice squad. I don't know that he is giving someone such an overwhelming presence that they think to themselves, all right, we need to claim Tommy Sweeney. Good, great locker room guy, everything along those lines. Everyone loves him around the locker room, but they can still have him in the locker room if he's on the practice squad. So that's where I ultimately go with him to this point. Super nice guy, don't get me wrong. Um, just the level of play, he hasn't been separating really well. The blocking has just been meh. He needs to show more in preseason to be able to secure a spot on the 53 this year. So Sweeney, and it, I could I could very easily see a world where the Bills are going with only two tight ends on the fifty-three man roster with Knox and Howard, and like kind of considering Gilliam to be that one, but he's more of a fullback than anything. All right, now to the defensive side, and this is one that I don't say lightly, and I'm not saying he's bad. I just need to see more. And that's uh, first-round pick Kyir Elam. It's been, you know, the cornerback play has not been the best at Bills camp so far. And it's tough because they're going up against the likes of Diggs, Davis, and McKenzie, who have been great this summer so far. They're going up against an MVP-caliber quarterback. But it's also, you also can't discount the fact that the, the defensive line of the Bills have been really good this camp so far. And getting pressure pretty consistently on on uh, Allen in the backfield. So the the level of cornerback play has just not 
really been been all that great. Uh, now, it is early in Elam's career, and you can see the bones of what could be a really nice player. Super competitive, good physicality. Um, seems like he's he's good at the catch point when he's there. But I've seen a lot of instances of him being on the back foot when he's up against Diggs or Davis and, you know, giving away a lot of separation, you know, maybe thinking a bit too much um, rather than being instinctive and reactive like he needs to be when he's dropping back into coverage. I just think that we haven't seen the best of Kair Elam just yet. And it has opened the door. Like I've talked about Christian Benford before. I'm not saying that Benford has flat out outperformed Kair Elam because it hasn't been as big of a challenge for Benford since the start of camp. But I will say Benford has has done really well and has put himself into that uh, at least consideration to if Tredavious White isn't ready to go, whether or not he would start. I don't think it would be for Elam. I think it would be for Dane Jackson because he has struggled as well this camp. But Elam is the one that I think a lot of people are interested in about what he could be. Cornerback is a, is a tough position. Very tough. And in your first year, it's it's difficult. So I just I just want to see more. I I want to see him I guess maybe it almost feels like he's he's getting caught thinking too much out there and just trying to process the defense. It just it just feels like it needs to become a little bit more natural for him. And the most natural it should be is when he's going one-on-one coverage and he's even struggling in that area right now. So just want to see a little bit more from, from Kai Elam. Like I said, not saying he's a bust or anything like that. Just hasn't been an overwhelming display that you might think it would be with a first-round pick. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what he does in preseason. It's going to be very important for him, just like it is for a lot of these young guys. But, you know, I think if he can show some things against some second and, and third team players, get that confidence up, maybe, maybe it you know, blends itself into the start of the regular season because they still have really high hopes for him. Just, he just needs to get those reps against someone other than, I want to see him go against someone other than Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and everything like that. Then we'll start to see what, what he's all about. And if maybe there's some room for concern or if it's, if it's uh, okay, he's just going up against some really tough competition. So that we'll put a pin in that one and say, all right, to be determined what what's going on with Elam and figure out what he can be in, in his first year. We'll go to the defensive line as one player that needs to show more. This is the sixth of our seven. Shaq Lawson is someone that I, I think has kind of faded into the background. And, you know, everybody that has followed the Bills over the years, every fan that has followed them over the years have, have known Shaq Lawson to be just... <laughs> A really, uh, a really funny personality, good fit for the locker room, everything like that. I, the the camp so far from him has just been unremarkable. I think this is the word I want to use. 
saw him sneak in for a sack on day nine. But before that, I it's I failed to notice him a lot. And just maybe it, he's more of a um, depth guy, low snap guy at this point of his career. Definitely not the the same player that he was when he was starting for the Bills uh, early in, in the McDermott era. But can still give them a good amount of like veteran presence and should Epinesa or Boogie Basham falter at some point, they can depend on him to go out there, know the defense and, and be a good run defender, which is, he's still that he's just not an impactful pass rusher um, anymore. And I think, or at least he hasn't been through camp so far. We'll, we'll see what happens in preseason, but would like to see a bit more from him, you know, to a lesser degree, I think Basham has has not been as um, noticeable as, say, Abanessa, but I still have seen some good moments from Boogie Basham, and I think uh, they're hopeful for what he could be this year. But it it really feels like that defensive end room is, is d- close to decided, where Russo is the starter, Von Miller is the starter, the two primary backups are going to be Epinesa and Basham unless Lawson really shines through in preseason here and uh and yeah and the, and the, and then they go from there so yeah just just want to see a little bit from Shaq Lawson see the signs of life from what he was earlier in his career but um you know so far we we have we have yet to see him be like a real big performer at training camp and the last one I'll say is uh Another rookie, linebacker Balen Spector, who is a seventh-round pick. He is definitely on the bubble. Um, noted special teams player from, from college. Looks like he could become a good special teams player. But are they going to have a roster spot for him? And, and will he be able to show some things on special teams that will force their hand? This is less about defense because... You know, you look at what the Bills have at linebacker. They know Edmonds and Milano, they're their top two. Their their next two are Terrell Bernard, the rookie third round pick, and Tyrell Dotson, um, who has had a really nice camp so far. Both of those guys have actually. Tyler Matikavich is a locked in special teams guy. Odds are you're getting special teams rep out of Dotson and probably Bernard. And do they really need a six linebacker this year? Because they didn't get a ton of special team stuff from AJ Klein last year and AJ Klein's gone. So if he's replaced by Terrell Bernard, who has more on his special teams plate, it lessens the need to keep a six linebacker to be a special teams only guy. So that's why I think, um, I think Spectre will really need to wow them on special teams because linebacker is not a difficult position to get, get through waivers kind of a especially a special teams line linebacker um if if he doesn't just set the world on fire in in his uh rookie preseason so like i said less about defense because specter unless he really stands out over the course of time i think his ultimate path to being a consistent player on the 53 man roster will be through special teams. So that's that's a to be determined and and how he uh reacts to uh to actual live reps on special teams. Just 
and even even on defense i just it's kind of there not not doing things that where i'm like okay really taking a note of this guy today um and he's mostly working against like the the case keenum and, and matt barkley um offenses so just he, he's one to kind of cap this off where it's like okay some people had some high hopes for him let's let's see what happens when when things go live on kickoff coverage and punt coverage and, and things like that all right so i hope you got a good base of what camp has been like so far with with some of these lesser known guys of course i'm sure you know josh allen has looked good stefan diggs has looked good gabriel davis has looked good von miller has looked good all of these other things but um it's getting to the point now where it's like, okay, let's just get to the preseason and see how these guys perform in that way. And we are getting close. Like I said, counting tonight's practice um, on Friday, August 5th at Highmark Stadium, only five training camp practices to go before things shift back to Buffalo for the rest of the year. It will be very fun to see how this team responds to the uh, the first preseason game. And it's, I believe they're against the Colts on August 13th. First of two home preseason games in a row. And should should be very interesting to see how the a lot of these young guys that I mentioned today perform. Like I want to see Kyrie Elam more, more than anybody. That's 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 the guy that that I am eager to see in a game setting as opposed to what we have seen so far. Because I want to see if if when the lights go on, if if he becomes a real player. And that's I am very much open. Uh, leaving myself open to that being a possibility so far because it's always tough in camp early in camp it is for cornerbacks especially all right so that's going to do it for me um the next time you'll hear from me will be a bit of a you know preseason preview i'm sure we'll talk a bit about kair elam what what we're thinking um or maybe even just what we saw with with the uh with the preseason game because that's due to happen in a little over a week now so we'll uh we'll definitely at least uh recap the preseason game against the colts what we saw and everything along those lines all right so thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the buffalo beat i appreciate you head over to theathletic.com slash the buffalo beat to get yourselves a nice little discount on a yearly subscription to the athletic you can read all of my stuff there, all of Tim Graham's stuff, a bunch of fantasy football-related uh, things. Actually, Tim Graham just uh, posted a, a great article about Ken Dorsey and, and what makes him tick, talking to a lot of people that have known him throughout his life, so be sure to check that out. And then uh, uh, you get all of Matthew Fairburn's Sabres coverage and everything, basically anything you could want. And Premier League's kicking in today. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very, very fun ways in the sports world so i encourage you to head over to theathletic.com slash the buffalo beat and start your subscription today all right thanks everyone for listening my name is joe biscalia and we will talk to you next week see you then Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.